0: Are
1: there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Hello, and welcome to Soccer Noob Rockin' America, featuring Person Noob. Yeah, that's my 11-year-old daughter and co-host. Glad to have her along. Part of what makes us special. It is a very special episode of VSE as we have once again Jonathan All from St. Louis Public Radio joining us for an interview and conversation about his team, St. Louis City, and how they're doing and might continue to do in the CONCACAF Leagues Cup, a tournament that's finally starting to matter a little bit after a couple of early iterations. And we seek to delight and Entertain all episode long with many previews of the best tournament and league race matches from the world over. Some of them are going to be from big places you know and love. Some of them are going to be from places far and wide, places that you may not know much about. And that's part of what makes us unique as we noobs try to learn the entire world of football all at once. Come on, learn along with us. It will be fun, along with our band of humor that we try to bring, special segments, and the weird wild bonus matches at the end. Now this week we're going to be covering matches from Friday through Thursday, July the 21st through the 27th. With no further ado, let's dive right in with
0: Match number 1.
1: Could we start anywhere else as a team with America in the name than with a Friday match from the FIFA Women's World Cup with the United States involved? Now, this is going to be a little bit more for our newer or burgeoning fans. The event is being held in both New Zealand and Australia. They're co-hosting. 32 teams have qualified from the six continental confederations to take part. They've been divided into groups of four. They're going to play a single round robin there down under. The top two from each will advance. Your key matchup from our perspective, number one in the world, USA, versus number 32, Vietnam. This one is going to be played in New Zealand, specifically in Auckland. I believe this is the first time the two teams have ever met. You can catch it 9 o'clock in the evening Eastern time in the U.S. on Fox, Peacock, or Universo for a Spanish-language broadcast. Let's talk about the USA. CONCACAF sent six total teams to this event. The USA have never been ranked better than second best in the entire world, I don't believe. And they are your two-time event defending champions. They won a total of four titles, and they finished in the top three in every single World Cup since its inception. There are so many players that we could uh, focus on who might be key. We're not going to try to do anything fancy here and do any deep dive. This is for the newer fans. We're going to give you a couple of the key names in case you're just learning. They are captained because Becky Sauerbrunn is uh, injured, therefore, not playing this particular edition. Is Lindsay Horan. She's a midfielder who currently plays, currently plays for Lyon, one of the two excellent teams, world's best club teams over in France. She has played in 129 national team games and scored 27 goals. But if you want scoring, the gal you really want to turn to, I'm sure, is Alex Morgan. She is co-captain, striker from San Diego. This year in the NWSL, the top flight domestic league here in the United States for the gals. She already has five goals and four assists and she has scored 121 of them in 207 national team appearances. That is just a cartoonishly successful clip. Team's current form, well, amongst all the friendlies, they are undefeated in 2023, and in fact, they only conceded one goal. That was in a 2-1 win over Brazil. And now your underdogs, who I believe have openly said their goal is just to get a goal. They know that there's you know, there is a huge golf one in th- between one and thirty-two in the men's game is you know fairly wide, but in the women's game it is still a golf at this point. They are known as the Golden Star Women's Warriors. Uh, the AFC, the Asian uh, Football Confederation, they also sent six teams. Uh, Vietnam is one of eight teams making their World Cup debut. One of the reasons I'm really excited to watch this one. FIFA ranks number thirty-two. They're considered fifth best in all of Asia. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of debutants uh, from Asia, Philippines, they are also debuting. They are ranked. A little bit lower Three times this team has won the AFF Women's Champions, uh, Championships Rather, Last time was 2002 so it's been a little bit They're trying to get a return to their better form The AFF by the way is basically Your uh, it's a sub Confederation within the AFC It's for Southeast Asian countries Not the strongest hotbed even within Asia to be perfectly honest With you nevertheless it is a Up and coming region To that end, this team has qualified for every Women's Asian Cup. That's their equivalent of the Euros or their international championships since 1999. Last year, they made the quarterfinals. 2014, they were considered to have finished in sixth place. That's the best they've ever done. Their captain's name is one I'm going to grossly pronounce, I'm sure. I'm going to say Hyeon-nu. It's H-U-Y-N-H. And then N H U on the last name. She plays forward for them, and this is how good she is. She's in one of the Western European leagues in Portugal, the number one league over there, and plays for Lank FC uh, Villaverdense. She has scored sixty-four goals and is the current is the team's current leader in scoring. Team's current form, unfortunately, uh, they've lost three straight, and that included a nil-nine. Uh, unofficial friendly, so not quite FIFA sanctioned, but nevertheless playing an excellent Spanish team. They lost that one by a boatload. So not much hope that Vietnam is going to uh, probably even manage to get anywhere close to a draw in this particular game, but we're excited just to see how much an Asian team may be closing the gap just a little bit. Match number B. And that's one of the many reasons she's the true star of the show. Join us at our quiet revolution at the encouragement of daughter person to replace the phrase number two in your life. It's nasty. It's bathroom talk. Nobody needs that. Do something refreshing and try match number B in action. Listen to it in action. Match number B is another Friday match. We return to the U.S. to look at one of the lower divisions, the USL. W. This is the second year of the league's existence. It is an amateur league. and uh, I say second year, but it's uh, very similar in, in structure and a lot of connections to the league of the same name that ran from 1995 through 2015. Effectively, this is considered a Tier 4 team, whereas the NWSL is Tier 1. But there aren't any leagues in between those two, although a couple have been planned. So we're going to see some expansion and some shifting in the women's game in the uh, non-NWSL leagues. I'm looking forward to that. I believe currently there's about 60 teams in various divisions around the country, spanning four different conferences. 16 teams made the playoffs, and we have reached the final. Congratulations to Indy 11, and uh, they will uh, be the home team more or less. I don't know if this is their true home field on the campus of IUPUI, but they are playing North Carolina Courage, which is an NWSL team. They are playing their under-23 team that is in this league. We'll talk about Indy first as the official or unofficial unofficial hosts. Uh, The franchise is planning an entry, which is exciting, into the upcoming uh, USL Super League, which, yes, there's a men's USL, which is the second division, and the plan is for them to actually compete directly for the NWSL for market sizes and stadium qualities and whatnot. Their intention is to try to get tier one sanctioning uh, from uh, the U- uh, the USSF here in the States, the sanctioning body. Uh, it's unknown uh, to me at least whether or not they'll be maintaining a team here in the fourth league. Last year, which was their first year in existence for the women's side, they made the quarterfinals at the playoffs. This year, they won the Central Conference Valley Division, and it was very close. Uh, one of Racing Louisville, another NWSL team with her multiple reserve teams, I believe. They beat them on head-to-head in tiebreakers, so they were tied on points in the table. Uh, good offense, hard to call it anything else. Believe it or not, only second best in this regard, but they were getting four per match. But the number one defense is where they really shone. They only conceded three in 10 matches. Good overall for second best goal difference. Team scoring leader with nine on the year is Sam Dewey So if you can find an online stream of it That is the gal to look for And she got that, by the way, in just seven matches Uh, This team advanced over a team called San Francisco Glens In the semifinal, interesting mascot, three to two And now, I don't have a lot about the Courage Reserve team. Again, this is a reserve team of the NWSL squad. They won the Southern Conference, the Atlantic Division, and unlike their opponents today, they ran away with theirs. They won by 12 points in 12 matches, going undefeated and with just one draw. Number one offense by a lot uh, in this particular division, getting uh, three and three-quarters goals plus per match. Number one defense by... uh, well over two and a half they were just giving up a goal maybe every other match on average and the number one goal differential by a factor of eight just staggering how dominant they were so given that both of these teams are so successful on both sides i don't have any sort of prediction on whether this is going to be a high scoring affair a shutout or something in between i'll be curious to see what indy 11 tries to do with the pace by the way if you're catching a stream of this the gal to look for for north carolina courage Their team scoring leader with eight on the season is Isabella Brown, and they advanced dominantly through the semifinal over a team from the Mid-Atlantic Division called Eagle FC by a 4-1 score. Match number three. More women's U.S. Friday lower division action. Say hello to the WPSL. Also essentially a Tier 4 league, just like the one we were just talking about. Uh, they're scattered around four regions and 129 clubs around the country, so about twice as big as the previous one. We're not going to be able to talk about the final because at the time of recording, we don't know who the finalists were going to be. The final will be at 7 in the evening Eastern time on 11 of sports. That'll be on the 23rd. So the match we're going to mention at least and learn a little bit about Rhode Island Rogues in the semifinal playing host to Charlotte Eagles. The winners will either get... SC Del Sol that we talked about a couple episodes back Or a team called Salvo SC But since we don't know who finalists are going to be I thought that this would be a nice chance for us to try to make a little quid What does that mean? We want to know how to gamble and we're going to cheat That means turning to our 3500 year old prognosticator Noob Stradamus Who will hopefully provide us with a score He hasn't done so for something like three straight weeks after he's had his drug-aided or drug-addled visions. I think the Lotus leaf brand he's getting, it must be that Pineapple Express out on the Thracian Plains of Greece. He's been forgetting to actually give us the results. So what have you to say this week in the state of Rhode Island, oh mighty soothsayer?
2: Greetings from the actual island of Rhode Island. Tis I, Most of the state may be on the mainland, but there's an island proper, too. I've rented a lovely little 17th century Stone Ender here for the weekend. And speaking of stone, it's time for me to light this lotus leaf from the chimney on the hearth wall, and once again travel through space and time.
3: Wee.
2: Darkness turns to light in the vision. I awake in a massive clearing near a small Newport colonial church. Seventeenth century, or not much later. I know because a temporary stage is being built before me but not for me. The Puritans and other colonials eschewed instrumental music in the church from their early days here. Even the organ was first put in one 100 years later than it could have been. And I happened first right here in Newport. And then, being ahead of the scene musically is how the state got its name. Some think it was for Red Island, misunderstanding the Dutch as it became Rhode. Others uh, think that it was for another explorer, being reminded of the Isle of Rhodes, Greece. Nay, t'was I who named it. The stage being built before me is for the first church band in the region, and they travel. They practice on horns. Like oboe, trombone, and cornet, they jam on German flute, bassoon, violin, and clarinet. But it's the diligence of the stage builders who come with them that impresses me most. I know their influence on music will be forever strong, and so I used my influence as a holy traveler of respect to name this place Land! <laughs> I could never do what they do, but I can rock out on an Opa Clyde, huh? Hold on. Listen. <laughs>
1: That's a month straight. Is anybody else going to talk to this guy? I. Who are we supposed to bet on? He didn't give us a score. He even told us we got nothing there. Well, nothing except for a bad pun you really worked for. That was a long way to go for Rhodey's land slash Rhode Island, sir. I know it's an audio format, but I waggle my finger at you sternly. Ugh, just... Just poor, and I don't mind saying so. We're going to have to have a talk about a lot of different things here. (laughs) Match number number four. On into Saturday, we march, and we're going to pivot over to the men's side of the ball. The second division I mentioned earlier, the USL championship for the guys Eastern and Western conferences make up this league. The top eight of the 12 in each conference will move on to the playoffs. They're a fair bit over halfway through the season. Your key matchup from the East number three, Charleston battery versus number one, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Now we always like to talk about stakes in this show. It's obvious that both of these teams are going to be making the playoffs, short of an absolute utter collapse for either of them, but you still want to stay in the top four. So that's a, a little bit precarious for Charleston. That way you get to host at least one playoff home game. The series between these two has been very even quite the rivalry burgeoning here. Uh, Charleston Battery have had the slight edge with a 6-9-5 and record, but Pittsburgh won when they played earlier this season 2-0 at their place. Can Charleston turn it around on their home turf? You can find out with your own eyes, 7.30 in the evening, Eastern Time on ESPN+. Charlotte Battery, they will be hosting this at Patriots Point Soccer Complex, which seats about 5,000. It's on the College of Charleston campus. A little bit better known for their basketball, I believe. Uh, 2008, they were in the U.S. Open Cup, our country's FA Cup, and were runners-up. That's a really rare thing for a non-Major League soccer team to get so far. They've only won one USL title. That was back in 2012. Last year? Nope. Let's just say it wasn't their year. We're not going to make it too ugly. They finished in last place in the East. This year, the offense has been much improved. Uh, they're third best in that regard. It's not really a high-scoring conference. That's a, They're getting a little bit under one-and-a-half goals per match. The defense has actually been a little bit below average They're conceding as many as they give up. Their goal differential is just about zero. That is tied for number four in the league. I think they need to get at least a point here at home to uh, solidly maintain their chances of staying in the top four. Key match. Key players to look for. Tied for number one in assists in the entire league with five is Fidel Barajas, Just 17 years old He's going to be a lot of fun to watch on Saturday Plays winger for them when you're looking for him He's also got a couple of goals Uh, He was born in the U.S. interestingly uh, But repped for the Youth National Team in Mexico But now he's officially with the U.S. I believe he's made a handful of appearances Defensively tied for number one in clearances So defending that goal in front of the goalie per 90 minutes Leland Archer from Trinidad and Tobago plays center back for them I always like uh, looking at these players who are from outside the U.S. And in the Caribbean in particular because those are such small nations Tied for number two in clean sheets with five on this season Pitching those shutouts is Trey Muse Sounds like he should be a rock and roller with that name. 23 years old is all. He's gotten one national team call-up, so not on the radar in a real strong sense, but a name you may be familiar with. He was with Seattle Sounders in Major League Soccer on their roster earlier in his career, but he never made any senior team appearances. And I believe he is the only goalie in the league with a save percentage of over something like 75%. So the defense in front of him is good, But he himself is a real budding star. Team's current form, two straight draws, uh, one-to-one. So they've missed some opportunities to do some catching up. And now they run into the buzzsaw that is Pittsburgh Riverhounds. They won the East in 2019, made the quarterfinals that year, best they've ever done in the playoffs. They've been a little bit better of a regular season team. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the conference and made it to the conference semifinals for the playoffs. The offense is solid. They're getting one and a quarter goals per match, at least here in the East that qualifies as solid. But they've got the number one defense by a lot, giving up just over a goal every other match on average. So good that they have the number one overall goal differential. I don't think that Charleston have to get more than one goal in this game to necessarily get a result but I think they're going to have a hard time getting it. Key players to look for. Tied for number one in league scoring, despite the fact that this is a defensively oriented team. They really count on Albert Dequa in this regard. He's from Cameroon, plays striker for them. Came over for St. Louis. How good has St. Louis been as an expansion side that they can let a guy like this walk away? And then continuing to be at the top of the league in assists with five, we've mentioned it before, Canardo Forbes from Jamaica, veteran, Central midfielder, 35 years old. He's been with this team since 2017. He's really found his level. Now, as good as this uh, defense has been in you know, all these shutouts and whatnot, I'm wondering, how do they not have a goalkeeper in like the top three in clean sheets? Well, I don't know if it's been due to injury or if they just like to rotate these two, but they've got a pair of guys that are in the top 10 with six and four each. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last seven and have won two straight matches.
0: Match number five.
1: Saturday action in the States continues with another Tier 4 league back on the women's side of things. Yeah, they're all starting and finishing at the same time. This league is called the UWS, and it might just be a smidgen higher in quality as they have uh, some players who are amateur, but some who are considered professional, at least getting stipends. Now, the championship is going to be Sunday in Santa Clarita, California, but that's the only team that I know at the time of recording was going to be one of the finalists. Uh, They had a little bit of an easier path in that Uh, because they don't want to tax any of the teams too hard in terms of uh, travel and time-wise, as the Western champion, uh, Western conference, that is, they got here automatically. So since we don't know who they're going to play, this is a great time to let the true star of the show, daughter Person Noob, to talk about, you know, she likes the soccer, but she's got other passions, and one of those is Aminals. Time for your takeover, sweetheart. Aminals from around the world. Oh yeah! I really took a lot of liberty with the usually even still non-melodious theme song there for endangered animals. That's one of your passions, isn't it?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, you like soccer, okay? But animals are where it's really at. So we're going to talk about uh, an aminal that you found that is endangered. I believe. Uh, from the area where this match is being played in California and even the right part of California, which was pretty lucky. Tell the fine folk what endangered animal we're looking at.
0: The mountain yellow-legged frog.
1: yellow leg? I would still eat. I had frog legs yesterday, and they were okay. They weren't yellow, though. Hmm. I don't think it was probably one of these kinds of frogs. No. It would have looked weird even through the batter. All right. So what's been happening to the population in the last few years? How is it that it's endangered? How bad?
0: Uh, well, it's just endangered. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, 90% of its population has disappeared over the last 100 years. Oh,
1: wow. That's not much. And part of that, I suppose, is they're from a limited territory. Where can we find these?
0: Uh oh oh Well, it's from various mountain ranges in Southern California.
1: Okay. And what can you tell us about them physically?
0: Uh, uh, well, it's two and a half inches long.
1: Oh, that's a teeny tiny frog. That looks cute. It's
0: a frog.
1: Oh, they sound bite-sized. I would have them for a snack instead of a meal. No. No, I'm not supposed to eat the endangered no. animals, am I? Oh, uh, someday. That's why I want to save them all, folks, so I can eat them. No. All right, what else can you tell us about how they look?
0: Oh, uh, well, they have a yellowish, brownish, or all the black-brown markings.
1: So yellow-ish doesn't really sound like why they're called yellow. Le- oh well, I guess it's in the name, yellow-legged. Yeah. What, tell us some more about the colors.
0: Uh, well, the underside of its hind legs can be different hues of yellow, uh, from a bold sun to a, to a lighter pale yellow.
1: Interesting. I'd like to see one with like fluorescent, like yellow marker legs. It would have a hard time sneaking up on its prey, though. So is this an animal uh, obviously it's a frog so it's amphibian does it spend a lot more time in the water or on land?
0: Uh, uh it spends almost uh, I spends most but it spends most of its time in the water.
1: Really? And how does it manage that?
0: Uh well it breathes through it breathes through the skin.
1: what is that process called? There's a special name for it.
0: Uh it's called the cutaneous gas exchange.
1: Yeah, skin breather sounds easier for me. I'll let you have the scientific name and I'll just go with mine. How does that sound? Uh-huh. And do they? Uh, how much time do they spend out of the water, not only per day, but like for the entire year?
0: Uh, oh, well, they hibernate underwater and they may do so for all but 90 days out of the year.
1: Yep. I read something similar. The higher in elevation and the cooler the temperatures, the longer they hibernate, either in almost entirely underwater or in like bank stream crevices, they might be you know a little bit more out of the water. Uh, since I'm not allowed to eat it, let me ask this. Will it eat me?
0: Um, no.
1: No, it's only two and a half inches big. I would be uh, too, too big a course for a meal, probably. I'd be a bad uh, frog entree. What does it eat?
0: Uh, it we'll eat water bugs, beetles, ants, bees, wasps, flies, and dragonflies.
1: Mm. And what else does it eat?
0: They are cannibals, and they eat themselves.
1: Ah, well, not themselves. Well, I see what you mean. Yeah, they their own species. Yes, they eat their own species. I wonder if that's a, I wonder if that's only a, a dead ones or live ones. Did you happen to catch anything on that? No. No. No, I didn't catch anything either. What else can you tell us about this animal that's particularly unique?
0: Uh Oh, well, this one has no vocal sac.
1: Oh, the big elastic looking, you know, and the, the chin goes way, way out. Is that yep. the vocal sac? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have one? Nope. What does it sound like then?
0: It uh, well, has a very raspy call, and it, and it uses it underwater.
1: Oh, so people don't get to hear it a lot anyway. And given that it sounds probably so much different than other frogs, and they probably wouldn't recognize it either way. So what sort of things have been threatening it and making it endangered as the years have gone on?
0: Um, uh, well, many factories, including introduced speeds of fish, such as trout, livestock grazing, a uh, uh, fungus and probably pesticides, drought, and ultraviolet radiation uh recreational activities and streams have also made an impact.
1: yeah, I did a little reading as well, and I know that one of the big things with those trout is that they never adapted to the trout uh, it, uh, the introduction of trouts and they in California they wanted to increase recreational fishing, tourism, you know, get more money going. And now they're taking the trout out a lot, a lot of those waterways, and eventually it might not be endangered anymore because so far that's working. I also know that something else that they're doing is <clears throat> raising them in captivity and re releasing them into the wild in some parts of these mountain ranges. Uh, what organizations have probably been helping them the most?
0: Um, uh, well, here are some uh, Aquarium of the Pacific, California Department of Fish and Wildlife, Oaklands and Oakland Zoo I have all raised
1: the 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 re- yeah reintroduce them back into the wild. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that's a pretty good thing to do. Hopefully, when they get reintroduced, it takes three or four years for them to not be tadpoles. I wonder how long they hang on to them before they reintroduce them into the wild, and then I wonder how do they. Well, hopefully, they're keeping in habitats that are similar enough to the wild that they know how to hunt and have a chance to survive. Because it would be, it's always nice to have a lot of biodiversity, isn't it? Yeah. And I saw some pictures of the frogs. I'll be honest, it's not the cutest or even the tastiest, even as hungry as I tend to get. It's not the tastiest looking frog in the world. But if they save enough of them, it's going down. No. I'm going to eat one. No. No? Have you ever had frog legs before? No. I offered you a bite of my uh, frog leg yesterday, didn't I? Yeah. Did you try it? No. No. What did you have?
0: I had um, rice, garlic bread, some broccoli. Oh, rice
1: is not an endangered animal at all. Yeah. So I can see why it's okay to eat that.
0: Uh, Rice, (laughs) broccoli, some bread, and some fruit.
1: Yeah. Chinese buffet. Good stuff, right? Yeah, you tend to shy away from the meats in general sometimes for certain stretches. I do not, and that's why I am going to eat a mountain yellow yellow-legged frog once they save enough of them. No. Yes. No. And that was... those from around, around the, world. the world. Don't eat them. <laughs> I'm glad to hear Kitty is sounding so well after having a bladder stone removed last week, and apparently he is finally coming down from his pain medications, or maybe it's because he's still on them. But that sounder means that he is craving a recap of last week's matches, and he shall have it. Match number one from last week was a Friday match from the Chilean Primera División. Number one Cobrasol took on number B, Huachipato, and the result was a Cobrasol 2-0 win. No change in the table there, but a very tight race got A tiny bit less so. Saturday was our match number B from Major League Soccer. Number one, Cincinnati took on number B, Nashville. A 2 1 win was had by Cincinnati guy we said to look for, Luciano Acosta had both a goal and an assist. He's their star, Nashville. That dropped down to number four and is still a pretty tight race. Match number three from USL League One, the third division here in the United States. We featured one between number B, North Carolina, and number one forward, Madison, and they played to a 2-2 draw. Interestingly, Madison had a 2-0 lead in the first half, but they got a red card early in the second half, and that allowed the other team to come back. In fact, for North Carolina in the second half, guy we said to look for as a possible man in the match, who was Olex Anderson had a brace. Northern Colorado Hailstorm actually ended up passing them both. So now they have fallen to second and third place, respectively. Match number four from Guam's Soccer League. Number one, Wings. They hosted number B, B BOG Strikers, and for some reason now the match isn't even listed. So I'm not sure if that got postponed, canceled, or what exactly happened. It's Guam. Sometimes the information isn't super reliable. I have found some of those places. Sunday, match number five from the CONCACAF Gold Cup Final, Mexico versus Panama. Mexico eked out a 1-0 win. Congratulations to the victors and the title holders now. Tuesday, match number six from the UEFA Champions League first qualifying round. Second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. Blick, We're still on their bandwagon out of Iceland. They played Shamrock Rovers and followed up on their leg one success, which was a nil one road win with a 2-1 win. That means they win on aggregate, and they are the first ever preliminary round club to advance to the second qualifying round. Thursday, match number seven, uh, the Women's World Cup gets a start. We feature Nigeria versus Canada. They played to a nil nil draw to the surprise of many. Nigeria was able to keep up, even though they're the biggest African power. There's Seem to be a gap between them and much of the rest of the world. Canadian Christine Sinclair, their all-time superstar, she had a wait a week late penalty kick saved, so that was too bad. Match number eight from Conmebol's Copa Sudamericana, round of 32, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Audax Italiano and New Blense were scheduled to play, but now that list that match is listed as a Friday match, so we don't know the time. Uh, we don't know the score, rather, at the time of recording. Match number nine from the UEFA Europa conference league first qualifying round second leg of the home and away two-legged tie between Neiman Grodno of Belarus and Vaduz of Liechtenstein and they played to a 1-1 draw that means that the Belarusian side advanced 3-2 on aggregate match number 10 from the Macau FA Cup final we had Benfica and Monte Carlo the second and third best teams from the league playing off for their only chance probably at an international berth in the AFC they played to a 2-2 draw in regular time and change. And then it was Monte Carlo, your favorites, getting a 4-1 decisive penalty kick victory. You're out of the week. Uh, by the way, bonus matches with explanations coming later was a Wednesday match between first place Al-Aili and number 18 last place el Hodud out of the Egyptian Premier League, and they played to a surprising 1-1 draw. Not so much of a uh, route waiting to happen there, after all, as it turned out. Then your most meaningless match in the world. We revisited Macau, their top flight, the Primeira Divisao. Number five Ka I, took on number six Loon Lok, and it was Loon Lok getting there's a little bit of gap the table between the top half and the bottom half, and yet it was Loon Loke, the, the lower team, getting a 0-6 win. That was your round of the week, I suppose. And they got enough goal differential there that they actually ended up switching positions with that team. And then finally, your match of Disappointed was a Saturday match from League One Ontario in Canada. Number 21 last place, Unionville Milliken in this third tier league took on number 20 BVBIA Waterloo. Yeah, Borussia Dortmund affiliated team but it was Milligan I believe getting their first win of the season and they won it by a lot 3-0 and that had them switching positions in the table and that concludes your recap of last week's matches now let's get back into the upcoming week's matches with match number six Saturday still isn't done for us, and we head north of the border for some exciting lower league action in Canada. League One British Columbia, which is a part of the overall league that is called League One Canada. It's three different provincial divisions or leagues as they continue to call them. Only eight teams in this particular one, so it is the regular season champions that will be qualifying for the next Canadian championship, or FA Cup. The other two leagues, Ontario and Quebec, are much larger, and they have playoffs to help determine that. This is just the second season of this particular league in BC, and it's the last match weekend of the regular season. And they do have playoffs, by the way. The top four will make it. That's just not how they're determining who descended the Canadian championship. So a trophy and then some on the line for number B, Victoria Highlanders and number one, TSS Rovers. Yeah, they're tied on points. TSS lead them on goal differential. So all they need is a draw in order to win the league and move on to the Canadian championship. When they played earlier this season, though, and at TSS Rovers place, no less, it was the Highlanders that came out on top from Victoria, 0-1, and we'll talk about them first. They were founded 15 years ago and first competed in a league that was largely a U.S. league called the PDL, the Premier Development League. Their intention had actually been to move up to the USL, but it just never quite happened. 2013 was this team's best season. They won the PDL's Northwest Division, and they made the overall semifinals. Last year, they finished in seventh place. So they really made strides here in year two for this particular league. Largely, defensively, they are tied for number one in that regard, giving up, oh, just over a half a goal every other match there. Average on offense in a league that isn't that high scoring, getting one and a third goal per match. Second best overall goal differential. Wouldn't have been my favorites to win it, but here they are. Mm -hmm. Team's current form, oh, they're in good form. Won five straight. Their last two matches, it is worth noting, were against last place altitude. And despite the fact that their defense has been so good all year, they gave up at least one goal in each of those matches against the last place team. Are they slipping a little bit? TSS coming to take advantage And hold on to their first place slot This is a club that's been around since 1997 but uh, they've Only been uh, really uh, had a Semi-pro incarnation if you will Since 2017 they were largely A youth team and part Of a youth system called total Soccer systems that's in uh, Burnaby which is on the uh, West mainland and to the west of Vancouver city of about a quarter Million Uh, if this Area is familiar, it's because they shoot a lot of Hollywood movies there uh, Very nice location And they've got a lot of high-tech industry that's fairly new as well This team is interesting in that they have a Canadians-only policy You need to either be a Canadian citizen Or somebody who uh, at one point had and is continuing to return to Canada I believe for citizenship Or refugees who are intending to get citizenship are also welcome on the team But nobody else They played in the fourth tier in the United States previously, by the way, in case this is familiar to veteran fans. Yeah, they were in the USL's League Two, sort of a summer team for college kids and uh, maybe young adults just out of college. Last year, they finished in second place and they were your playoff champions, but. Playoffs was not good enough to get to the Canadian championship. This year, yeah, they're number one for a reason, Number or a couple of reasons. Number one on offense, getting over two and a third goals per match and tied for number one on defense. Their goal differential has been twice as good as anybody else's. I'm not really worried about them on the road, and I would be willing to bet they'll win this within the regular 90 minutes. Team's current form, 7-1-0 and oh, in their last eight. They've won four straight. And they are not scared of the road because their last four wins all came away from home.
0: Match number seven.
1: And after a weekend of tracking like that, over half of our main 10 matches, you deserve a break. You get Monday off. Tuesday, we are back at it and headed to Europe for UEFA's Champions League. Qualifying round action, specifically the second qualifying round of the home and away two-legged tie. For newer fans who may not be as familiar, the Champions League is where the winners of every single top flight domestic league in the country go, plus a lot of the second, third, and even fourth best ones from some of the biggest countries. Now, to make the event possible, Proper, the group stages, a lot of the smaller countries, their champions have to get through the qualifying rounds. And so we are in the second of those, and they are playing a home and away series. This is the first one, hence, the first match of the home and away two legged tie or pair of matches. Blake is a team that we've been following all the way since the preliminary round, which is sort of a pre first qualifying round match. And they actually are the one of the four that got out of there and we're happy for him. And they are playing host to Copenhagen out of Denmark. They've played a couple times, at least in recent years, Copenhagen won them both. Ooh. But I'll tell you what, even after that Monday break, I must've, uh, I must've flat out forgotten to eat because I am Famished. So you know what, this is a great time to take a culture break. And by culture break, while we sometimes talk about art or architecture or folklore or goodness knows what else, it is usually food. That's the kind of host I am. And today we're going to talk about one from Denmark, since we did one fairly recently from Iceland, as we've been following Breitablik. So the traditional dish that I found from there was one I was only vaguely familiar with and not in specific. This is a product that is very popular. Popular all throughout uh, far northern and Arctic, called Toscarone. Or you might know it simply in English as cod roe. Fish eggs, yeah. Now, this is not caviar. Want to make sure I point that out. That specifically refers to sturgeon fish eggs. Now, more than that, those always tend to need to be cured or salted and then packed. That is not the case when it comes to the white gold, as they call it, that is cod roe. Whether you're talking about the hard version, which is the unfertilized eggs. And by the way, if you're getting them poached, you're going to buy them in the sack. And that is how you are going to poach them, yeah, sack the anatomical one, SAC, or soft row, which is the sperm, yeah, feeling grossed out yet, both apparently are eaten over there, and uh, you can boil it, uh, you can smoke it, fry it, or even eat it fresh, and you've got to get, not only is that going to sound weird to get used to, but my understanding is a very unique taste very salty uh, with a fishy taste to it and that it is definitely an acquired taste but I'll tell you what it's very popular because it is low in fat and it is high in everything else that is good that you can get from a food actually it's considered as a staple in a lot of northern European countries I know you can use it frequently Uh, you can get it in basically what's a toothpaste style tube and spread it on just about anything in Sweden but in Denmark um, even the little kids like if you go to a daycare they're going to have just pantries full of this stuff in cans because it is so incredibly nutritious and they'll enjoy that year round. But the best way to enjoy this Danish style as I've come to understand it you get it fresh when it is in the winter not long after it has been caught and you have it as part of what is called a smørbrød or an open faced sandwich and the best way to do that in Denmark I don't know what is particular about the greenland variety but the recipe i found uh simply calls for the open face sandwich to be served on rye bread which just seems to be ubiquitous all over northern europe and then you have greenlandic shrimp spread on some mayo add on some dill sprinkle on some lemon and then you add on your fish unfertilized eggs or your cod sperm whichever you choose Maybe I'm not so hungry after all. Is this a taste I want to acquire? I'm not quite sure. Hey, I'm adventurous. I'll try anything once. I have a feeling it's hard to get here in the States where I am anyway, so I can say that and probably not have to risk too hard ever running across it. But hope you've enjoyed the culture break. And now we will get back into the matches with match number eight. We remain on Tuesday on the calendar geographically in Europe, but this time for a tournament of a little bit different quality, but still so much fun. This is the tertiary or third best tournament in Europe, the Europa Conference League is what it's called. They, too, are in their second qualifying round. The match we're talking about, same as before for the Champions League, is the first leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. Now, so all your champions of all your leagues, they get to go to the Champions League. Then you've got the Europa League. This tournament is largely designed for what they would call minnows over there. A lot of second and third place teams from a lot of the smaller nations in Europe. Although bigger countries do send teams, but like in Spain, for example, I think they send their sixth or seventh best team. Now, that is not to say that there are no champions here. There are league champions in this league. If you lose early enough in the Champions League or the Europa League, you drop down to a waiting spot in this particular one. Now, the matchup we're going to look at, Hamron Spartans out of Malta. And I know I'm mispronouncing that because they've got a different alphabet over there. And in addition to what I would call a quote-unquote regular H, they've got a different H with the second line through the middle. Not quite sure how that's pronounced. I think it's close, though. And they are taking on Georgian side, Dinamo Tbilisi. All right, Hamron first. They're hosting the first leg. They play out of the Premier League in their home country, and it is only ranked number 44, that league, out of the 55 in UEFA. Hamron is the name of the city. It's in the east-central part of the island, Uh, 10,000 in that town proper, but it's pretty sandwiched in with some other ones, I believe. They played in the Champions League, but they lost 1-6 on aggregate to uh, Maccabi Haifa in the Champions League first qualifying round. They've got a couple of interesting nicknames, um, probably mispronounce these as well. Tas Sikina, which translates roughly to of the knife. Yeah, frightening. And the reason for this, or one of the two reasons they think that it might have had this nickname, it's had it a very long time. It's a name for the whole community or town, really. There is or used to be a large Sicilian community here. And during one of their traditional Sicilian dances, they used to pull these things out of their boots and wave them around before putting them back in. Uh, This is probably also related to the reason that the club and town are also known as Taverwer, which means terrifying Okay, hopefully they're not allowed to take those knives on the pitch. Nine domestic league titles they have secured over their 120-year history. They're coming into their own. They won two of the last three. Last year, they did not win the league, so they entered this event right out of the gate in the first qualifying round, and they made it through the first, second, and third ones, and then they couldn't quite get past the playoff round, which would have put them in the group stage. Nevertheless, they are the first Maltese team to have ever even gotten that far in any European competition. Last year, they won the Premier League by 19 points in just 26 matches. Told you they were coming into their own. I might have even understated it. The offense is good. The defense is where their bread is truly buttered. They give up barely more than a goal every third match on average. Just ridiculously good on that side of the ball. Key player to look for offensively, 18 on the season last year, and still with them is Elvis Mashique. Sukise. He is from the Democratic Republic of Congo, plays forward for them. And then, as you would imagine, they've got a defensive star as well. Their netminder with 15 clean sheets last year was Henry Bonello, and he is a homegrown and 34 years old. And now your visitors for this, the first leg, uh, the Georgian team, Dinamo Tbilisi. Tbilisi is the capital of the country, by the way, in case you're not familiar. Their top flight is called the Irov Liga, and it is ranked actually even a little bit lower than Malta's Premier League, number 47. Give you a little perspective, this team is well outside the top 200, at least as of 2020, where I managed to see some extended coefficient rankings for clubs. Number 232 is what I saw, and yet, This was a team that back in their Soviet days, because Georgia was, of course, a part of the USSR, they were a very strong club, the only club from the Republic of Georgia to actually win a European competition. This was sort of a predecessor to the Europa Conference League I mentioned earlier. They won that in 1991 when it was called the the Cup Winners Cup. Yeah, so if you won an FA Cup, you got to go to that. They have won 19 domestic league titles since independence. That is the most in the nation's history, and they've won three of the last four. Last year in international play, they lost in the first qualifying round of this event. Best they've ever done internationally. In 2016-17, they got all the way to the third qualifying round of the Champions League and then nearly made the group stage in the Europa League. Fell one win short for that. Just an incredible run uh, for a team that's really You know, just not from a very strong league right now, anyway. Currently in their league, because they're in uh, Northern Europe, and so they've been playing over the summer months, they are just in fourth place. The offense has remained very good, number one in that regard. The defense, pretty average. They're giving up one and a half goals per game. They'll probably not win the league, but qualify for this tournament for next year. At least that's my prediction. Key player to look for, tied for number three in scoring in the league with nine is... Imran Omar, he is from Morocco, plays attacking midfielder. Dutch footy fans would have a chance of knowing him. Yo-yo team between the first and second leagues. Den Bosch, that's a club he played for for a bit. Team's current form in league, they are 1-1-1 in their last three. Actually, that's not all league play. Their last three matches, they are just 1-0-2. I really like Kamrun to get by them both in this match and overall for the two-legged tie. Match number nine. One last Tuesday match for us, and we're going to revisit the Women's World Cup. We cannot ignore the fact that the USA women's national team is number one. We've gotten to know them this particular time. Let's just talk about their opponents, the Netherlands, so you know who and what to look for. They're going to be playing this match in Wellington. Series between these two, nearly all USA, as you would expect, an 8-1-2 and record all time, or at least in recent years. Telemundo. Fox, you can catch it at either one at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the States, their opponent for this one, the Lionesses of the Netherlands. By the way, UEFA sent 12 different teams. The Netherlands team is ranked eighth of those, and yet they're ranked number nine in the world. It tells you, uh, interestingly, how it's the U.S. and then everything else just about seems like it's Europe. The only two Women's World Cups they've ever qualified for have been the last two, and in 2019, they were the runners-up. So talk about an up-and-coming team. They've also qualified for the last four Europeans championships, and they even won it in 2017, two iterations ago. So this will be easily the toughest competition that the U.S. face in the group stage Certainly, if not necessarily for the entire Tournament, assuming that they make A deep run. The Netherlands Qualified by winning their UEFA Group in the Euros by two Over Iceland, or in the qualification I should say. Key player to look for Their captain, Sharita Spietz S-P-I-T-S-E So I might be getting that right. Midfielder Veteran, 33 years old. I love A club that I saw that she spent her uh, Youth with. She came up with a club called W. Sneak S-N-E-E-K, but still pretty neat. Uh, She is currently in her home country and playing for Ajax for her club ball. She has over 200 national team appearances. To her credit, 43 goals in those. She is the all-time most capped player in the country's history, and by a spread of over 25%, really. The best scorer of all time is still on their team. I don't know, given her age, how many minutes she'll be playing And if she is still a true force to be reckoned with I suspect so Talking about uh, Vivian uh, Medema She is a forward who currently plays for Arsenal She has scored close to a goal Per appearance in her national play Just ridiculous 95 she has netted in 150 team uh, Appearances for the national side uh, She is known for being very versatile But mostly just calm And killer in front of the goal She never rushes anything. She knows what she's about. Teams current form they are three and two in two thousand twenty three. Albeit all of those matches were in friendlies.
0: And match number ten, we're done. Finally.
1: Yes, finally, daughter dearest, but don't worry, we still have our three super cool Unique bonus matches coming up But for our last main match, number 10, we return to the States for the CONCACAF Leagues Cup, previously Just sort of a glorified exhibition But now it's a tournament with some real Stakes in hand, and we'll get into that in our Interview uh, with Jonathan All from St. Louis Public Radio Shortly, yeah, he's our our St. Louis City guy, we're going to talk about their match Versus Club de America From Liga MX, I'll tell you a little bit about The tournament, it exclusively involves Teams from Major League Soccer and Liga MX, And this year for the first time it is all the teams. This is the third ever edition of this tournament. Uh, first time they've ever done all the teams. They and Canada are both listed as official hosts this particular time. Uh, the 2022 MLS Cup winner is and better of last year's two-stage champions from Liga MX, they got to go straight to the round of 32. The other 45 teams have been divided into groups of three, out of which the top two will advance out of a two-match single round robin. The champion of this event will go to the 2024 CONCACAF Champions Cup, formerly league, and get to start in the round of 16. The second and third place finishers will also get to go to that same tournament, albeit one round earlier. So they've really, you know, it used to be an exhibition, and now it really matters. Uh, the current format is interesting. The winner gets three points. That's what you would expect. But if the match goes to penalty kicks, which will happen immediately after ninety minutes, no extra periods, the winners will then get two points, and the losers will get one point. So no one point apiece each for draws. So. Let's get into the interview with Jonathan All of St. Louis Public Radio. And we are so appreciative that Jonathan can join us once again today. Jonathan, how are you?
3: I am still stinging from St. Louis City's abysmal performance against Columbus um, in the first round um, of the uh, of the Leagues Cup, but uh, I'll get over it.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure, you know, but, but you know what? That aside, and the uh, the loss to LAFC, we had you on uh, before the LAFC game. Uh, St. Louis, have, they they have looked quite good. I'm I'm doing the European thing and referring to them as a plural. They they have done quite well.
3: You know, they're uh, they're still in first place in the Western Conference as an expansion team. Um, they have they sell out all the the home matches. Uh, they look good. They've got a lot going for them. I there's nothing. There's nothing not to love.
1: Indeed, no, and you mentioned the uh, sellouts. I can't remember. I I have to assume it was uh, you and one of your previous ones and I want uh, appearances. I want to see if I'm remembering correctly. Isn't the isn't the waiting list for season tickets something like threefold with the actual number of seats in the stadium? Are
3: yes, and that's that was before that was before they had a great inaugural season. So I can only imagine what that list is going to be like uh, as the, as the year wears on.
1: It's going to be exciting. And I don't know a lot of particulars being noob, but my understanding is while it may not necessarily match up with the Pacific Northwest, that St. Louis is, is one of the United States sort of original soccer cities.
3: There are a handful of places that, uh, try to wear the mantle of soccer capital of the United States. St. Louis is one of them. Um, I'm not, I'm going to stay out of that fray. <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that there's much, uh, advantage to getting into that too much, but, um, we've got a team they're doing well and they're greatly supported and, you know, full stop. That's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're not, we're not really qualified to get into the history of you and me from five or six years ago, cause I'm new for a reason. And, uh... we're, we're
3: not qualified to do anything, nothing at all. <laughs>
1: Hey, they sold me a microphone at the store. As far as I'm concerned, that's a license to do this crap.
3: There you go.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, because you've been following, just for anybody who's catching us for the first time, uh, Jonathan, you are you are even perhaps newer to soccer than I am. But despite that fact, you, you've jumped in headfirst in a couple different ways. One being, of course, your fanhood for St. Louis uh, City, which is all in. What is your other soccer claim to fame right now, so to speak?
3: I am a part owner of AFC Wimbledon that is in League Two uh, in England. Um, the it's a fan owned club, and I am a member of the Don's Trust, so I get one vote just like any other person in the world. And I've been following that team for maybe four or five years now, um, and uh, they are gearing up for the the start of uh, their their league coming up in a, about a week and a half. So it's uh, it's exciting times to be me whose soccer focus is laser pointed to one MLS team and one fourth tier English football team.
1: Yes, listeners, I, I inadvertently when I was thinking about doing an Austin team, an Austin game from this tournament for a variety of reasons, I inadvertently uh I inadvertently messaged Jonathan saying that we were going to talk about uh Austin FC and uh oh gosh, who is it they're playing? And Juarez, Juarez. <laughs> yeah. and you you were, you were taking it like a champ, but had to ask the questions of, you know, so I'm going to have to learn about a team I don't know about yet. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh no, we're going to, no, we're going to stick with St. Louis. We do it. I'm biting off every league in the entire world top flight all at once. You have had the sense to just focus on a couple of them, by the way, do you have a dinner date set up with Rob Reynolds uh, or Ryan Reynolds and or Rob McElhenney? Uh, since they're going to be their Wrexham side will now be in League Two as well.
3: You, you know, I got to tell you that that for all of the worldwide uh, fandom about Wrexham, the the hatred for them among everyone else <laughs> is is so palpable. I mean, you know, I I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but you know, the thing about Wrexham that has granted worldwide attention is that there's this down on their luck city that has a football team that's also been down on its luck for a while that they almost lost that was barely hanging on and someone came in and gave them a boost well while that is a great story in many ways there are dozens of teams in england and wales and scotland that say well why not us why weren't we the chosen ones to get this influx of hollywood money because (laughs) the, the story of wrexham and its team sadly you know, up until when Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney took over, <laughs> the 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 story of the team was sadly not that different than many other teams that uh, that were down on their luck. Um, but you know, we play them twice, and we play them in the second game this year. Um, so I think that uh, beating Wrexham... Uh, would be would be huge for AFC Wimbledon and I think that uh, it would go a long way to make people feel good about the season
1: yeah maybe a little bit better I know they weren't the most popular uh, when they were in the the most popular club when they were in the National League because while it was a down on your luck story not only did they get the Hollywood money there was a lot of it they very much uh, became the New York Yankees or at least Boston Red Sox you know more or less overnights in terms of Budget. I don't think that they'll. Oh,
3: it's, no! It's worse than that. It's worse than that because you got to remember that most of the teams in National Conference are part time. That those those players are part time players, but Wrexham and Knott's County, they were they were paying. Yeah, that's people.
1: the other one I was going to mention. Yeah,
3: they were paying full time. So I mean, imagine it, it's it's worse than just a Yankees budget. It's more like uh, you know fielding uh, a pro. a a group of pro players and then bringing them to a, you know, a a Saturday night beer league uh, and, (laughs) and and letting them loose. It's not not
1: always going to go well. I was surprised they didn't win the, uh, win the league in the first year, but maybe they planned it that way to make a little bit better drama for a season two of welcome to Wrexham.
3: Oh no. Oh no. They didn't. They, that cost Reynolds and McElhinney at least uh, a couple million pounds extra to not get up in one year so I don't
1: oh well you know that might be something to McElhenney since he's merely TV you know he's not he's rich not wealthy I don't think I don't think uh, Reynolds probably minded overly I don't think he had to move any money around
3: although you know watching the way that those guys just felt the pain when Wrexham didn't do it I mean I I don't think they were faking it
1: no I no, I don't either truth be told but it was more fun to try to goad them you know a little bit all right well let's shift over back to this side of the pond and i'm curious as somebody who is uh so you know who, who is so like me relatively new how familiar are you with the tournament that we're talking about the league's cup
3: absolutely not i mean this is so this is our second uh cup this year and i'd never heard of it i had to research it i had to research the format and i'll tell you something i i This is a thing that happens in uh, in every soccer league in the world is clubs have to decide, do you care about the cups and and when do you start caring about them? And and I think that that at least from my perspective, looking at City SC, at least in their inaugural year, they don't really care. And I don't want to make it sound like they're intentionally, you know, letting it Letting these games go, but you know when they played Columbus in their first uh, uh group game, they did not start their two best players who were healthy and ready to go. Uh, Roman Berkey, the goalkeeper, uh, who's really more like a brick wall than he is like a keeper. Uh, and Tim <laughs> Parker, uh, defender who, who's also scored a few times. Uh, he was the other MLS All Star from St. Louis. So they sat both of their best two players. I don't think you do that if you think this is a match we really want to win. I mean no, probably
1: and, not and that's and that's understandable but go on
3: and looking at social media the number of fans who are saying just get out of the cup as quickly as possible our next MLS game is on August 20th. Yao Klaus should be back by then so let's just get out of this cup nonsense and take our 3 weeks off. And, and, you know, and really use that to train, get Klaus up to, to being fit and hit the rest of the season hard that 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 idea is out there. Oh, sure. The and that's
1: end. not uncommon for cups in general. I mean, you, I remember I think two seasons ago, for example, Liverpool in the uh, not in the FA Cup but in the leagues cup or in their in their league cup. They don't have an S on it over there. They in most of the countries in Europe have a a overall tertiary tournament i mean a lot of those teams will play youth you know they'll play a lot of reserves they'll call up a lot of people not even use their actual bench until they get to maybe the semi-finals they're not worried about that trophy at all liverpool two years ago i believe it was famously to one of their teams i think it was a quarterfinal they sent like an under they send an under 23 team or they send an actual academy team and Jurgen Klopp didn't even go with them. They actually let their, you know, they not only sent that that entire team, they sent that coaching staff. So you've got to manage your schedules. You've got to manage your players.
3: You know, uh, that, that happens all the time. And anyone who is a fan of the game outside of just the MLS, they shouldn't be surprised by this. Um, and, and really, in your inaugural year, you know, making a deep run into a cup nobody had heard of, has heard of, eh, not nearly the priority as uh, having a really good finish. Uh, in MLS. Uh, now,
1: I will say if St. Louis were not, if they were doing a more traditional, you know, having a more traditional expansion season and not doing particularly well, then it might be worth throwing uh, a lot of eggs into the League's Cup basket. Because for those who are unfamiliar, by the way, uh, the League's Cup has only existed for a couple of iterations. It's been a glorified exhibition. It is something more than that now in that there are actual... Uh, I was going to say CONCACAF Champions League berths at play, but they now call that the CONCACAF Champions Cup as of this year. But they're, they've officially made this thing matter. Teams that make deep enough runs will get to go. So this is going to matter to some major league soccer teams. It's so fascinating that St. Louis isn't one of them since they're still in first place in the West.
3: And I don't know, I, I maybe I'm projecting too much, but I, and, and you know, if, it's not like st. louis is out of it because uh if st. louis beats club uh, america and columbus um beats them as well cuz the top 2 in each group of 3 moves on so it's not right. like st. louis is totally out of it yet um but it's just it struck me that that you don't start your best two players and and that it wasn't just Berkey and and uh and in
1: your home stadium no less they're hosting the group
3: well, no, actually, St. Louis was in Columbus.
1: Oh, for, they were okay. I thought that they had centralized locations for this. Thank you.
3: They they were in they were in Columbus uh, for the uh, that that first uh, match, but you know, uh, but still, you know, and it wasn't just those two. There were a lot of uh, second tier um, people that that weren't the most common starters that that played against Columbus. You know, I as a fan, I. I I don't know. I would like to see them go deep in a cup, but that is definitely second tier to me to having a strong MLS finish. Oh,
1: sure. sure. You know, they're they're in position to get to host a whole lot of games right now in, in the playoffs. So that's understandable. I'm happy that CONCACAF, nevertheless, is trying to make this you know, last more. There used to be, very briefly, a North American Super League. So having, you getting these teams together more and more often at the club level, not just for the national teams playing each other, that's a big enough rivalry as is. I am glad and I'm hoping that it's mattering even more to some of the other teams. I'm also curious if uh, Club de America is going to be sending a lot of starters as well. They're just getting going in their 2023 uh, Apatura stage. Yeah. And, you know, those... Each of those stages is only single round robin. They've got a lot less margin for error since they effectively play two seasons. Do you see either of these teams um, playing playing very many of their starters?
3: I honestly don't know. I mean, you know, it. On you could make a case that you're we're going to see more starters for St. Louis this next match because, you know, regardless of how they did against Columbus, they were going to have two in a row in a pretty tight window in just a few days. Um, and, and so maybe they just decided to rest more starters and, in, in, in the first one and they'll bring more of them in the second one or, you know, well, the other thing is, you know, like I was talking to a friend of mine and I'm like, well, why aren't we starting Berkey? And I'm like, well, you know, it's a cup game. And I'm trying to say traditionally in cup games, you let your backup goalkeeper. Cause if you keep a, a backup keeper, they're never going to play unless there's an injury. So you want to give them some starts and, you know, it, 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 you're trying to talk about the nuances of managing a roster and how you get people some minutes, and 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 how you develop people and get them game time, um, and and inevitably you end up looking at, well, these are some throwaway games. The other thing is, I will plead complete ig- ignorance. I have no idea how good Club America is. I have no idea. I don't know if their best eleven and our best eleven would be uh, close or not. I just, I don't know, and well, I don't. What kind of scouting, um, City SC has? So, I I I it's a total crapshoot. I mean, ask me an hour before the match when I see the starting eleven.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: if it's uh if it's just about any MLS team starting eleven. And uh in it's Mexico and it's Mexico say they play a 50 50 half starters half reserves or do some mixing in during the game that might make for an even matchup on player because you're familiar with how you know Major League Soccer has these designated players mm-hmm. where you know they get to throw away the rule book so to speak and you know pay them you know three, three up to three players much much more yep. the Liga MX teams basically are teams full of, guys who are all making designated player money if they were on this side of the border. So all the league MX teams, just if you want to look from a financial standpoint and correlate that to quality, they should all have a leg up on the major league soccer teams. And unfortunately, St. Louis fans, I'll tell you club club America. If you care about this tournament was not a great draw. That is one of the big four in mexico they have won the most league titles of anybody in the country although they haven't won a stage since 2018 but that's not to say they've been poor by any means
3: if st louis loses 4-0 to club america um i think that the that va- my my belief is the vast majority of city sc fans will just kind of shrug their shoulders and go eh.
1: And and as well they should to a degree, and not just because it's the League Cup, still a even with Concacaf Champions Cup berths on the line, just because it's not MLS. These cups are you know across the world are secondary, sure. uh, typically to the leagues, unless you're talking about an FA Cup with you know teams from lower divisions playing in the well, matches to those lower division teams. But if the uh, if the Eagles of Club de America decided to start all eleven of their players. You should expect a four nil win probably a third of the time against anybody you would throw at them from this side of the border.
3: I think that this raises maybe a a slightly different question, and that is um, with Messi coming to MLS, I've I've heard and seen a number of stories talking about MLS trying to increase its international status and how, you know, and its domestic status too that you know mls has been around for 30 years and really just that any professional soccer league in the united states has lasted for 30 years i think is a victory in itself and showing a lot of progress sure. but the, the, you know just this is it ever going to break into the top 4 or is it going to be the fifth tier us major uh, sporting league and will it get more uh, attention uh, internationally and I I think the answer is no (laughs) on both of those. And, but as a fan, I will also say, I don't care. I mean, I don't, whether or not I follow City SC and enjoy it and whether they are as good or better than other professional leagues around the world doesn't really matter to me. I like following a team. The level of play is high. Is it the highest in the world? No, it isn't. Um, but I don't know that I care that much. So,
1: no. Uh, some people, uh, you want steak, you watch the Premier League. But sometimes, as I read somebody else say, I wish I could remember who sports writer said. But you know what? Hamburgers pretty tight sometimes. Well, you know, and you got to
3: remember, the other team I follow is a fourth tier English football team and and you know a a lot of people ask me the question um if afc wimbledon played city sc who would win and i i city sc would win
1: yes absolutely my understanding is i I think most uh, most experts that i've read would say that uh the mls is probably a top 15 league in the world you know kind of on par with say croatia and that if uh if you combined the uh, combined major league soccer and say the championship, the second division over in England, you would see more American teams probably make the playoffs than you would, uh, you know, the British, the British, the English teams by percentage, but there would still be plenty of representation from the English championship clubs. Those two are MLS is by most considered better, but not by light years.
3: Yeah, I think it. if you combined MLS and championship, I think that, that the spread would be all over the place. It would depend on the club and the season for sure. Um, I don't think any MLS team could do better than barely escape relegation in the Premier League.
1: I no, think that's, it would. Uh, it the would
3: best that any any MLS team, given the, the that they given
1: out. that they relegate three out of the Premier League from this twenty every year. I, I would be uh, I would I would bet on relegation nearly. I wouldn't bet the house, but I would bet on relegation nearly every time.
3: Well, so yeah, it, but but I will tell you this. So the thing that I like about MLS is that there's huge fan base for a a high level of soccer, um, and the team is well run. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's a good stadium. It's, you know, the, there's good fan support. That is much more important to me right now than do we do well in international play.
1: Yeah. And yet if they do manage to, again, you only have to finish in second out of these three. So getting, getting a result of some kind against club day, America, could be enough. I suspect they need a win, won't get it. And that they'll be okay with that. But I'll tell you what, the players they're going to start from St. Louis are going to make an impression. So let me ask this if I may. Sure. Let's say uh you know I know that they got the injury bug, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Who, if anyone, should we be looking for from St. Louis that we might not normally be looking for? Who's who's a non-star? Who's a non-starter usually in league play that's going to play in this? That we should—that's uh, looking to impress.
3: Okay, um, so I am a big fan fan of uh, Miggy Perez, Miguel Perez, uh, midfielder for uh, St. Louis City. Uh, he's 18. <laughs> he's 18, and he has started in a couple of MLS games. Uh, he's not a regular starter. The kid is electric. I love watching him. Um, I think that that you know, three years from now, he could be a star of this league. Um I I see him as one of those players that that MLS is going to struggle to hold on to. He's an American, he you know who is grew up in St. Louis and he's playing for City SC, but his the quality that he shows out on the pitch is of a level that I think that he could in a few years be a star of this league who is also starting to be one of the people that's might get poached out for a bigger league overseas where he can make more money.
1: Sure. So, England, Spain, or maybe even going over to He's young enough still that I moved over to Ajax in the Netherlands. That's the youth yeah. club behemoth over there. That's always fun. I always have fun looking to see what young players are already on European radars and who really, who really isn't yet Yeah. uh the player that i'll mention and see what how you react to this oh and by the way before i get to that uh we have a uh we have a person noob sighting it's mr jonathan hi
3: hello person noob how are you good
1: we're talking about Concacaf league and st louis city and club day america do you have any expertise that you wish to add nope no, do you have, who are you going to root for St. Louis city or the Mexican side club de America? Oh no, oh. we're going to have a rumble.
3: Uh, you know what? I person noobs probably on the right side of history. I hate to say
1: <laughs> she's like, she's looking to root for winners. Club day, club de America. We're, we're the first big Mexican team years back to really start, uh, uh, recruiting international players. And now and now most of the League MX teams do that. But Le- Club de America is one of the most supported and one of the most hated. They were the New York Yankees back in, oh, I don't know, the 70s and 80s. In a sense, not budget-wise completely, but because they were pulling in so many international players and that was a new phenomenon for Mexico. And so, uh, they have something that effectively a club motto that effectively translates to they hate us because they ate us or hate us more. We love it. Something along those lines. So. Well,
3: I want you to say that other name. I'm dying to say the other, dying to hear the other player that you want to bring up.
1: Oh yes. Uh, I did. I was doing a little research, and he is third best right now in the league in expected assists per ninety. And he's played a little bit more the last few matches. I don't know if he played against Columbus. I'm going to mispronounce it. Oziel Jackson.
3: Yeah, he's you know he's starting eleven now. I mean, he did not start um, against Columbus, but I think Jackson is one of your uh, one of the best. He he should be starting every week. I, yeah, I he's don't he's
1: another uh, youngster, 21 years old in an attacking yes. midfielder role for a first place team.
3: And, you know, I, I, I don't know how much this should play into our fandom, but dude's got hair. I mean, he's just got this crazy, <laughs> crazy head of hair on him. That is just so much fun to watch.
1: Yeah. That- I don't know if his hair is, in t- is by design or, or if it's not, oh. but that was one of the first things I noticed when I saw a profile photo as well.
3: Yeah. You know, when, and when you're watching, uh, Uh, When you're watching a a match and you're still learning the players, um, when you have a very identifying thing like that, it does kind of make it easier to say, well, that's Jackson. So uh, (laughs) it makes
1: him easier to root for. He had an interesting history, by the way. Um, Do you know what uh, what his first senior level, uh, I I hesitate to say professional because I don't know if they got paid at that level, but his whole career is in America. Do you know where he started his senior career? I don't. A six-tier French club named uh, called Blagnac, nice. B L A G N A C. Nice. I don't have any. I have read nothing about what his connection to France may be. He's U.S. born. His whole career has been basically between uh, you know uh, St. Louis and uh, he played for some reserve ball for Minnesota United mm. uh, as a teenager. And I uh, would just I- love to find out what, how on or what the connection there was.
3: I can see um, how Jackson would come up as a uh, an up and comer, but he's been starting regularly for oh maybe the last half dozen uh, matches or so. So I don't I don't think of him as a reserve anymore. I think of him as he's one of our best 11, I think.
1: That's awesome. Well, hopefully he gets to place. And so he's so easy for newer fans like us to watch in particular. Uh, Not that he is uh, an up-and-comer by any means, but the other name I want to bring up, because so many shows just don't, you know, they talk about the strikers, but they don't talk about some of these other guys. Uh, Somebody who's really been impressing me is uh, Celio uh, Pompeu from Brazil, plays winger for them. Although he hasn't been playing a lot. Nearly as many minutes lately. Is he falling out of favor with the club?
3: You know, I feel like Celia has been kind of streaky. You know, he's one of those, he's one of those players that, y- you know, you, you watch him and he has a great game and you're thinking, wow, this is really great. And then the next game, they never call his name and he's just, he doesn't, he's, he just feels like he's not around anymore. I think yeah. that, that it's really interesting. City has like, you know, they've got their superstars, you know, and then they've got, uh, they've got this really wide swath of people who are kind of all in the middle and he's one of them. I'm, I'm less high on him than I am on other players, but you know, I, uh, I don't know. He's no
1: Mickey Perez. I think that's fair to say.
3: Well, I mean, he's better. He's probably better than Miggy Perez right now, but I I feel like M- Miggy's got more um, upside potential and he's a more, uh, you know, exciting player that I'm looking towards the future um but you know but who knows i you know i think that that one of the things we have to remember is the mls season is absolutely brutal compared to every other top tier uh uh league in the nation because of the travel that's involved oh yeah and you know and and the fact that they play through the summer months they play through the heat they play in the most difficult hot conditions um all year round and during the during those summer months. So I think that 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 as we get into August, September, um, MLS players who are in their first MLS season or, you know, we're, you learn a lot about them and, and it's very possible that he's the kind of guy that could really shine at the end. And I'm just underestimating him at this point.
1: I don't know. The thing that I noticed statistically about Pompeo is that he's uh, he's tied for second best in possessions, one in the final third per 90 minutes. And that's a really specific one. But that's why I was a little bit surprised to see that his his play has been uh, ticking down lately in terms of minutes, because I would figure with, you know, uh, you know Klaus, you know, and uh, oh gosh, I'm uh, Lewin.
3: Loven, Ed, yeah, Edward Leuven.
1: Leuven. Yeah. Uh yeah. with those, with guys like those injured, a guy that can win He's the back ball though. back in Leuven. their own offensive zone, and and you know, so potential, you know, it's like offensive rebounds in basketball. I would figure that his ability to do that right now would be absolutely critical, but apparently well, not.
3: Well, but it it I think that's more a function on uh tactic and shape that Bradley Carnell has been using for City SC. Is that that if you have two up front, um, then then uh, Pompeu's impact is lessened than when they were using one up front. Because like when it was just Klaus up front, then I think that that you had more, uh, you had more obligation on the wingers to play further up and to be more involved in the offense. But since Klaus went down, they've really been doing more two up front. Ah, uh, usually Giacchini, uh, Adenarin, uh Rasmus Alm has been playing a lot uh, up front, but they've been doing two up front and then putting someone in kind of that number ten position, and then the 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 midfield wingers are playing back more. So that may be where why his why he isn't playing as much because in that role there may be better options if you're playing your midfielders back more. Um, and and I don't know what's the, what tactic and form. Uh, City's going to do when Klaus is back. I don't know if they're going to go back to just one up front or whether they're going to try to pair him with Giacchini or Adenarin or do some kind of combination. Oh, City SC also just, they also signed a new striker, a guy from the Icelandic national team whose name I cannot pronounce, um, but he was just signed. So well, that gotten...
1: narrows it down to every player over there.
3: <laughs> but, but, but now they've got another option up front, so I doubt they're only going to do one up front. I think they're probably looking for midfielders who are more back a little bit more. I think they're going to do more of a kind of a, a 4-3-1-2 type format or a, a 4-4-2 diamond kind of thing, um, in which case the, the you're not going to have as much of an attacking attacking wingers, I think.
1: I am curious. Do you happen to know what club they got him from? I don't. Okay, I was just I'm mostly curious if he was also playing in the uh, best of the eld in the uh, top flight in uh, Iceland or if he was with a a bigger league somewhere else in uh, in Europe or I suppose even potentially Asia would be the other option. But
3: I I, I, I'm going to butcher this guy's name and I apologize to all of the good people of Iceland. Nokvi Thorsen, maybe. Nokvi Thorsen, maybe. Um,
1: It's good enough for me.
3: um, But, uh, you know, so he uh, uh, Iceland's national team, um, according to transfer market, uh, the uh, the fee is in excess of six hundred thousand dollars U.S. So, I mean, I think that is a a pretty good uh, a a pretty good sign. Um, It doesn't
1: sound like he's somebody who's playing in one of the uh, one of the big European leagues, but it definitely sounds like he's playing somewhere stronger than the uh, Icelandic top flight domestic league if he's getting, you know, that far into six figures.
3: Yeah, um, he was playing with Biershoff V.A.
1: Oh, over in uh,
3: Belgium, Belgium. Yes, he was in a Belgium.
1: I love that. That's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite named clubs i believe they got relegated last year after spending a year or two in the uh, top flight heather moment in the sun sort of an afc bournemouth uh, kind of team just you know on the uh, on the belgian you know side of the channel yeah i love i love that name more than most club names beer shot
3: okay so it, it, you know i i love it when you try to when you look up what position somebody plays online I, I just love how it, it's just salad, man. You just get salad because when when he was introduced in um, in St. Louis, he was kind of described as a striker, but I've, I'm also seeing him described described as a left winger and an attacking midfielder. Um, oh, a lot
1: of the, a lot of those guys, especially when you're in a league like Belgium, so he's probably a very very young fellow. I'm going to guess. You know, he's moving around, collecting you know, collecting checks. Clubs are moving him around, so you know he's probably going to continue to play different positions for different clubs as he moves around.
3: I it'll be interesting to see how City SC uses him. He's on under contract. I think it was a three year deal, so they want him around. Um, I'd be very interesting to see where they put him. And how they use him for sure.
1: I wonder uh, if they'll use him here in the League's Cup to give some of the starters, you know, a rest, or if he'll just, or if he's just going to be so new that that won't be realistic.
3: I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, when they brought and back from loan, I think they plugged him into, into a game before he had even done any training with the side. So I'm not, you know, and, and bringing somebody back from loan is definitely different than uh, a new signing from overseas. Um, but yeah, they're uh,
1: adjusting to more than a new club. That's a whole, that's a long way and a whole new culture. So,
3: well, and city SC didn't pay, you know, $600,000 for this guy to ride the pines. So I imagine he's going to get in there.
1: It'll be fun to see if he gets to play against club day America, that will probably be uh, a little bit tougher competition, uh, no matter who they're starting than he is uh, used to over in the second division in uh, Belgium. That's not a, that's not a bad, you know, they're a top eight, their, their top flight is in the top eight over in Europe, I believe. But a second division is exactly that. All right, so normally we have two questions here at the end of the show. One of them, we've uh, I always harass the guests to find out if we can be best friends. You've already set up that as long as I am uh, not a fan of um, the, the club playing its trade in uh, – I, I'm going to forget the exact phrasing.
3: Milton Key, the the club currently plying its trade in Milton Keynes.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. As long as I'm not a fan of them, we got a shot. So uh, you could also good. you could also call them the franchise. The franchise. <laughs> and uh, so the other question is: so, given that you don't think St. Louis is going to be doing starters, we're not sure at Club Day America. Uh, apparently person noob is going with the club de America side, but she's not here to give us an exact score prediction. What do you want to throw out for us just for fun?
3: 4-1 club America and city SC says, that's all right. We didn't want to win that anyway. Klaus, 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 Klaus. And they're going to circle. <laughs> they go, they go and have
1: dinner at the same place and, uh, and go to have a drink at the same bars and breweries, no now, matter I, how it goes.
3: Just to, to tease this out a little bit. Um, So their first game back in August will be the first game that I am in attendance in person. While the tickets are outrageously expensive, an old friend of mine that I worked, uh, a colleague, uh, professional uh, friend that I knew in Springfield and Peoria um, years ago has uh, season tickets in the supporter section. And he said he saw me complaining on Twitter about how expensive the games were. And he said, come to a game. So. We will
1: enjoy getting you on again if we can and getting an update either before or maybe even after the game and see how your experience was. Jonathan all of St. Louis Public Radio, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate all your insights and and your fun and humor and your co-learning the game with us. Noob it up. Bring forth the bonus matches. The first of these 3 is a first versus last place matchup from somewhere in the world that we dramatically call Daughter the route 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 route
0: of 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 the week 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 week
1: and by the way, thank you for everybody who votes on our polls early in the week for the candidate matches and, you know, helps determine our content for these. Soccer Noob USA is my handle on Twitter. Be sure to look out for those or chat with us about any sort of footy things that you would like to. We love and appreciate it. The one that you have voted for for the route of the week is from Mozambique, where the top flight is called the Mosambola, is the number thirty-one ranked league in CONCACAF since 2011. They're currently not ranked on the five-year rankings, though. Uh, In Africa, they only ranked like the top, you know, two-thirds of the 40-some teams there. So at one time, this was a league that was a little bit stronger, but not right now. Nevertheless, their winner gets to go to the Champions League. Just as relevantly this time, three of the 12 teams will get relegated, and they are roughly halfway through their league season. Your matchup, number 12 in last place, Machidje de Maputo versus number one, Black Bulls Maputo. Uh, currently, Black Bulls lead number B, Costa del Sol, by four points in the table. So they're not likely to sit back and play nothing but reserves, unfortunately, for Machidje. We will start by talking about the last placer, Hay, as it's always our point to try to find reasons that we think there could be some kind of of upset maybe they could pull a draw any sort of bit of happiness or joy for machad hey all right the club was founded in 1979 not new uh they have won actually the league title two different times but the last time was 1990 and thusly they've only made one champions league appearance i don't know for sure unless they were on some sort of hiatus they must have played in one of the second division leagues or groups last year as they i didn't find a finish for where they finished this year they only have one win so far looking very likely to go back down even though we will be pulling for them uh their offense and defense are more or less equally putrid this is not a high scoring league and yet their defense is second to worse at giving up over one and a half goals per match team's current form though aha they just got a draw against second to last place faro viario kelly mane One to one. So that at least is a little tiny something that they can hang their hat on and we will take and they will take what they can get because black bulls are coming to town and that is no joke. This is a new club in the capital city founded in 2017. They only came up as soon as recently as the 2020 season. They won their division two group the year before. They won both league titles, though, the last two years, but they lost in the Champions League in the first round last year, and they'll be in next year's as well. They've got the number one offense going, getting almost one and a half goals per match. Told you it wasn't a real high-scoring league, but they give up a fair bit under a goal every other match. On average, number one goal differential by a factor of better than two, but the team's current form, aha, again, we're always looking for these glimmers of hope for the underdogs. They're 0-2-1 in their last three, and they've only managed one goal over that stretch. It'll be lots of fun to see if Machide can pull off an upset of some kind. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> yes. We are delighted, so much so that we celebrate them in song, to be the only podcast out there, I'm sure, that chooses to shine. Spotlight on two teams from anywhere In the world, top flight, smack dab In the middle of their standings, the most meaningless Match in the world that you have voted for Is from the Brunei Super League, they are tied With six other teams, with having Absolutely no coefficient ranking points Whatsoever in Asia, so they are tied For the lowest ranked, and believe Me, if they were playing internationally, it's a very Small country, they probably wouldn't rise much At all above that, nevertheless The winner does get to go to an international Tournament, but in Asia they do not go to the Champions League. They go to a thing called the AFC Cup, which is for smaller and less soccer advanced countries. They have to start in the qualifying round. There's no relegation out of the 16 teams from this particular league. They did not have a 2022 season, by the way. 2021, they canceled it after just a few matches, presumably for COVID. And in 2020, they canceled it after all the teams had just played one or two matches. And by the way, when it comes to getting uh, hypothetically relegated or finishing at the top, that's the joy of the most meaningless match. These two teams don't have to worry about that at all. They're about a third of the way through the season here. So all things are possible and yet not really for number nine, IKLS-MB5. Yeah, that's a fun name, and uh, number eight koala, uh, belate b e l a i t. They both have perfectly meaningless four two and four records on the year Uh, right now. Belate they lead i k l s by five on goal differential. They're tied on points in the table. They trail number one kasuka by thirteen points. And then they lead number 16, last place BSRC, by 10 points. So these two really don't have to worry about either of those ends of the spectrum. IKLS, the full name of the club, and it's a merger of two clubs, is Ikatan Kampong Lurong Sakuna-Mulaut Ban 5 Football Club. Yeah, I guess I can see why they went with the acronym. They are in what's called a Mukim, or a sub-district, essentially, in the country. One of 39 of Peramu. Uh, It's really famous for being, you'd recognize it in photos, the stilted settlements that are uh, a a real big uh, attraction visually for this city that are right in the water. Yeah, that's Peruma. It's mostly stilted houses right over the river. Um, It's part of the capital city, uh, for all intents and purposes, has about 1,200 population. In 2018-19, the last full club season that they had, or full league season rather, they finished in ninth out of the 10 teams. This year, uh, the offense is pretty mediocre. The defense is going to drag them down, though. They're giving up two and a half goals per match. And even though this is a somewhat high-scoring league, that's still a lot Uh, I'm more likely to uh, guess that they would dip than climb up. They've only got the ninth-best goal differential. Team's current form, they have lost two straight to the Army and police teams. Maybe they're just trying to curry some favor, and they didn't score a goal and gave up eight between the two. And now, Kuala Belate. Uh, Belate is a town in the far west coastal corner of the country, Uh, It's the capital of the large district that it's in, about 65,000 people there. This is a really uh, key area in the region for the Shell Oil Company. They've got a lot of oil platforms there, and there's a big natural gas field as well. So if it's famous for anything, it's that. Not yet for the soccer, and that's partially because the club is so new. They were founded in 2019. Their offense, they're one of the only handful of teams that aren't even scoring a goal per match. Their defense is a little bit more average, but there's a really big gap between them and the top half of the standings. I don't see them climbing any higher. I think they can hold their own here and kind of be uh, the best of the worst, so to speak. Teams current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three. And now we reach the true end of our podcast road, the 13th and final match. This is the fresh hell that is the match of... Disappoint! And the two last-place bottom-feeding, egg-sucking teams that you have voted in from somewhere in the world come to us this time from the Super League of New Caledonia in the South Pacific. That means they are part of the OFC, the Oceania Football Confederation. This is the third-ranked league, no thanks to these two putrid teams, in that confederation. Now... The top two teams from this league, and it's the case for uh, all of the biggest leagues in Oceania, will go to the Champions League. These two teams don't have to worry about that at all. This is more their speed. One of the 12 teams will get automatically relegated, kicked out of their division, never to be heard from again, potentially at the end of the year. One team will have to fight for their top flight lives, the right to play in next year, against the second place team in the second division in New Caledonia. And yes, they apparently have one. They're a little over half, Halfway through the season, let us shake our fingers sternly at number 12, Qanano. Well, now that's an interesting name. QAnon, QAnon, and then another O. Hmm, he thinks there's a conspiracy afoot. And they are playing host to number 11, Dumbeya. Uh, QAnano, they trail Dumbana by four points to the table. Dumbaya in turn trail number nine. That's the point of safety. Kunie by seven points. So it's not over for both these teams, but it's getting there uh, for the conspiracy theorists of uh, QAnano uh, pretty shortly, even though they, yeah, because they are over and halfway through the season. Let's talk about them first. Oh, take a look at this. You might think that I'm a little crazy, but they were founded in 1968. Why? That's the year that Kennedy was assassinated. I wonder if this QAnon stuff hasn't been going on a whole lot longer in one shape or another. Oh, maybe this is like a related to a guild. Maybe this is like the stonemasons. Who knows? Their colors are red and blue. Yeah, I guess one of those is right wing And one of those is a left wing traditional color it Doesn't really tell us anything Okay, that's fine Maybe it all is just a coincidence it's Probably pronounced Kanano But I am not making up the name of the club It is Q-A-N-O-N-O Pretty interesting They play at Stade Hinose uh, Which has a capacity of oh about 1,600 or so They play in the town of I don't know how to pronounce it We or way? It's simply W-E You get a lot of very short names in this part of the world And it is in the commune or district of on Loyalty Island. Uh, The largest of the Loyalty Islands is the one this one is on, and it is a string of islands that is east of the main island of New Caledonia. Last year, this team finished in seventh place. Oh, they wish they were that high now. Just one win on the year. They've got the worst offense going there. The only team, in fact, getting less than a goal per match on average. Uh, The defense, not a bunch better, giving up over two and a quarter per match. As you would imagine, worst goal defense in the league. Team's current form, they have lost two straight. They are winless in their last nine. Three matches ago, they earned their most recent point, and credit where it's due. It was a nice scalp to get. They went on the road to number one uh, hanging sport and earned a 3-3 shootout draw. Good for them, I guess. You talk about it on 4chan or 8chan or 1300chan or whatever chan they're on. I think it's interesting that QAnon is supporting a team. I really want that to be a thing. Uh, Adumbea, that is a capital city suburb as well as the name of the club that's visiting today in this match. Uh, Area of over 35,000 people. Last year, they didn't do a whole lot better. Finished at 11th place, and so they had to presumably win a relegation playoff. Uh, They are only getting one goal and a little bit of change per match, and otherwise a very high-scoring league. They are the ones in possession of the very worst defense, giving up 2.5 goals per match this is really going to be a case in this particular match of the movable force and the incredibly resistible object who will win probably somehow neither i predict a scoreless draw as always as far as uh, dumbaya's current form they are in an 0-1-5 stretch that would belie that where they have conceded 15 goals and so here now that we have reached the end of the show, rather than wish them good luck and good fortune as we do for all the other teams here in the show, we instead will shoo them away in our usual and much-deserved bleak fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was Get Away! Hey, boo! boo. And that'll put a bow on episode 145 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much to special guest Jonathan All of St. Louis Public Radio and super fan of St. Louis City for everything that he was able to do for us this week. To he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the former Interno Inferno's creative efforts remain on fire. To my daughter, Person Noob, moi. Thank you so much. I love doing with this you and I love that you still enjoy doing it with me after uh, over two and a half years. And thank you to you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed it and that you will pass us on to your footy minded friends until we can do it again in a few days. Have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.